Uh, let's see. Yeah, I've already said hi to you guys in here, but let me say hi to our friends in the family room. You guys have been waiting for us probably to get ready for you, so good to see you guys this morning. Glad you're there. Yeah, you want to give them a hand? That's beautiful. All right. Yeah, that's a hand because you're at church, and that's a good thing. Who claps for you because you go to church? I do, right? God claps for you because you're here. So, in fact, I want to talk about that in a second, but let me kind of back up and remind you where we've been. Some of you are guests today. Some of you are, like, just checking Lakeside out. Uh, we have a mission here at Lakeside. It says we want to transform as many people as possible into passionate and productive followers of Jesus. That's what we're all about. So life change is the deal for us, and we've been spending the last few weekends talking about what that life change looks like. So we talked the first weekend about uh, being able to listen to God. If you can learn to listen to God, He will shape your life. We talked the next weekend about how to share your faith in Christ with others because it matters that we are able to communicate and give away this faith that God has given to us. We talked about last week the idea that sometimes temptation comes in and it trips us up. And until you get a handle on temptation, your life really can't be transformed in the way that God wants it to be. So that's where we've been so far. And Pastor John and Pastor Sean, who share leadership with me here at Lakeside, we shared those messages. And today I want to take you on one more journey of this. And that is I want to talk to you today about how to go to church. Which I, I know a little... for. for for some of you, you go, wait, that's odd because we're already in church. We already get it. We know where to park. We know how to get in. If we didn't know before today, now we know. It's like you should talk to somebody who's not at church. Maybe that's true, but here's the deal. Really, not everybody knows how to go to church, and not everybody knows what to do when they get there. Watch this. Appreciate y'all. Thank y'all now. I appreciate it, folks. Well, welcome to Family Feud, everybody. I'm your man, Steve Harvey. And hey, we got a good one for you today, folks. Returning for their fourth day with a total of 21700 bucks from Sacramento, California. It's the champs, y'all. It's the new hot family. <laughs> Give me Kelly. Give me Sean. All right, guys, here we go. Point values are triple. We got top four answers on the board. If a person's head is down in church, what are they doing? They're praying. They're praying. They're going to pray. Stephen, if a person's head is down in church, what are they doing? Well, Steve, I think they might be a sinner and they might be crying. Crying? <laughs> <laughs> Dana, if a person's head is down in church, what are they doing? Sleeping. <laughs> Tanya? Thinking about everything else they have to do but be in church. Very good. Thinking about other things to do. Hey, one answer left. If a person's head is down in church, what are they doing? I'm going to go the high road and say receiving a blessing. Mm. All right. <laughs> receiving a blessing. <laughs> Kelly, one answer left. If it's there, your family wins the game. If it's not there, you have two strikes. 
the Dumini family can steal and win the game. The reading. Yeah. Reading. That makes perfect sense to me. This is for the win. Come on. They're man. reading. Dumini <laughs> family, here's the situation. There's one answer left on the board. If it's there, your family steals, your family wins the game. If it's not there, the Newhart family wins the game. If a person's head is down doing church, what are they doing? Okay, I'm guilty of the sexting. Yeah. Sexting. This is for the win. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So I just want you to know, they give me this elevated platform to stand on. <laughs> Not everybody who goes to church knows how to go to church. Not everybody who goes to church knows what to do when you get there, right? So I want, I want you to fit church into the mission of church. It's about transformation. Church is designed to be transformational. It's designed to change our lives. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that talks about this. I want to read it for you. It's found in the book of Ezekiel. So if you want to be like reading, that was one of... By the way, Kelly and Jean and the Newhart family are lakesiders. Kelly's right here in the center, right? Right there. Right on. <laughs> Kelly was also the host of our game show during Blitz this last week. So nice job, young man. That's awesome. And, uh, and Kelly had good answers. Number one answer, praying. Yeah. Right on. Yeah, and that whole reading thing, so if you want to read, he was thinking about the Bible, really, and so you can, you, can do on the, you can do that on the Bible app on your smartphone, that would be okay too. So let me read this scripture for you that describes how church is designed to be transformational. This is talking about the Old Testament, and so it's talking about the temple, not church exactly, but we're going to take a metaphor from this and describe it for us. So Ezekiel 46 verse 8 says this, when the prince enters the temple... He is to go in through the portico of the gateway, and he is to come out the same way. But when the people of the land come before the Lord at the appointed festivals, whoever enters by the north gate to worship is to go out the south gate, and whoever enters by the south gate is to go out the north gate. No one is to return through the gate by which they entered, but each is to go out the opposite gate." Now, remember, he's talking about the temple, and he's talking about it in a prophetic way, so he's really talking about it in the future someday, and he says when the, when the prince comes in, now the prince is the Messiah, we know him as Jesus, when the prince comes in, he comes in the east gate, the temple sits in Jerusalem, and it faces toward the east, and they open the east gate only once a week on the Sabbath, and the prince was the only one who got to walk in that gate. Prince would come in, he would mingle with the people that were there, they would worship the Lord together, and when they got done, the prince would go out the same way he came. But everybody else who came into the temple 
was, was told to go out a different way than you came in. Now, there's got to be some logistical uh, traffic control that's part of this because there's a large crowd in the temple. So if you came in the north gate, they said, just keep on moving and then go out the south gate. Don't turn around and cause congestion. If you're coming in the south gate and you're going this way, don't turn around and go back. Go out the north gate. Just kind of keep traffic flowing. But there's a metaphor that goes on there that's a huge piece of what it looks like to live as a follower of Christ who's seeking transformation. What he's saying is, never leave church the way you came. Don't go out the way you came. Now, we can put it into a little practical metaphor. We can say, we're going to do this today. We can say, look, if you came in the north door, if you came in the north door, you probably always come in the north door. I mean, you probably always park in the north parking lot. You come in the north door. You sit in section one or two or maybe three. You sit in the same place. You use the same door. You know exactly how it goes to go to church. But today, if you came in the north door, I want you to leave by the south door. I want, you to go, I want you to go out a different way than you came in. I want you to go out saying, I'm changed. I'm different. I'm going out a different way. And if you came in the south door, you came in the kids' fest door, then I want you to go out the north door or the patio door just to be able to say, I'm going out different than how I came in. That's what God wants for you. Church is designed to change your life. You got to go out different than the way he came. And it was interesting because the prince represents Christ, the Messiah. And it says when the prince comes in, he comes in and he worships, meets with the people, and he goes out the same way he came. Why? Because the Messiah, Jesus, is perfect. He has nothing to change, so he goes out the same way he came in. But all of us need transformation. All of us need life change. And so he says, I want you to go out a different way than you came in. Now, there's a New Testament grid for this. So over in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which a lot of you know is the love chapter in the scripture. Some of you had this read at your wedding, right? Um, you know, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not boastful. It's not arrogant. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-serving. And all. Some of you had that read in your wedding. That's good advice. That's good stuff from scripture. But the last verse gives us a grid about life change. The last verse in 1 Corinthians 13 says this. Now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. What if you would take those three things, faith, hope, and love, and you would ask God every time you are coming to church, coming to this place where the church of Christ gathers, every time on the way in, if you would ask God, God, do something with my faith, do something with my hope, do something with my love. Change me in those areas. What would God do? For example, if you came in on the way to church and you said, God, give my faith somewhere to, give my hope somewhere to look. Give my hope somewhere to look, because hope is always about a person, right? In your favorite story, there's a hero, and hope is placed in the hero. In your favorite movie, there's a hero, and hope is placed in the hero. In the comic book, there's a hero, and hope is placed in the hero. Hope is always placed in a person, For us who are followers of Christ, for us who are part of the church, our hope is placed in Christ, the hero of the story. It's placed in a person. So when you come into church, be asking, God, give my hope a place to look today. And when you come in, you're saying, God, give me a place to look. He's saying, look at Jesus. Right? So we taught the children this week at Blitz. We taught them one of the most famous verses in the Bible. It's John 3.16. A lot of you know it already. Most of you maybe know it already. We taught them the verse with the song. Right? God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish. <coughs> Sorry, that's how the song went. That's not how the verse goes. We'll plug that in. But uh, they would not perish, but they would have eternal life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
That's not in the verse either, but, you know, you kind of get the drift of how that goes. It's all about Jesus. God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, Jesus. For who? For you, for us, for us to have someone to hope in. So when you come to church, be asking, God, give my faith somewhere to look. And he will say, look at Jesus. And you go, where do I find him? And he will say, look in the message. We give you a message every weekend. It's about Jesus. It's about some aspect of who Jesus is. Look to the message. Look to the music. Listen to the music because it all directs us to put our attention back to Jesus and to say, Jesus, we worship you. We celebrate who you are. We believe in who you are. We have hope in you. Look to the music. Look to one another. We had 340 middle school students serving others at Blitz this week, serving children that were younger than them. And I had so many adult leaders come up to me during the course of that week and saying, I'm watching my middle school leader in training, and they're showing me Jesus as they work with these children. I'm like, that's amazing. Look to children. They will show you Jesus. When you come in and you want to go out different than the way you came, ask this, God, give my hope somewhere to look. He will. He does. His name is Jesus. And then while you're asking God for things on the way into church or before you leave your house for church or how, you know, as you're walking in the doors of church, just ask him this, God, give my faith something to do. Our faith needs something to do. Faith is a muscle. And if you use that muscle, it will grow. It will get stronger. But if you don't use that muscle, it will become weaker. So God, give my faith something to do. In James chapter 2, verse 14, there's this statement. Uh, it's a question. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? And that verse, that passage has created all kinds of of controversy among Christians over the years because some people go, wait, you're only saved by faith alone. And some people go, wait, you're saved by faith plus works. That's what James is about. And it's like, well, what does that mean? I think it means this, you are saved by faith alone. But if you have a faith that never exercises its muscle, what good is it doing you? And what good is it doing to people around you? He says, when you come to church and you want your life to be transformed, give your faith something to do. Now, maybe... That thing that you need your faith to do is read. Maybe Kelly was exactly right, although the people in the survey didn't say it. Readings, reading is fundamental. Reading is powerful. Reading the scriptures shapes your life. It gives your faith something to do. Or praying. That was the number one answer. Praying. Give your faith something to do. Teach it to pray. So when you come in, you can go, God, I know during our gathering today, we're going to pray. And I want to take that and I want to be a prayer. And I want to go out from the church being a prayer. Give your faith something to do. Maybe your faith needs to do something in the community. We gather in a community. Jesus put us into a community. We are not isolated Christ followers. We're not intended to be isolated Christ followers. We come together in community. And it might be the big community in this auditorium. It might be the community in the family room. It might be a community in your small group or in a ministry team that you serve in. But it's community. It's sharing Christ with one another. And the more we exercise our faith with one another, the stronger we grow in our faith. When you go to church, give your hope somewhere to look and give your faith something to do so that your life is transformed. And then, 
Paul said to the Corinthians in chapter 13, he said, these three things remain, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Put that above the others and ask God this on the way in and on the way out. God, give my love someone to bless. God, give my love someone to bless. Here's the greatest one. Sometimes we get stuck in a little trap that says, church is for me. We come into church and we think, church is for me. It's all about me. When I hear critiques of churches, sometimes it's fascinating how much it's all about me, the one who's speaking. People will leave a church and they'll go, I'm not being fed, which is such a remarkable indictment of their own maturity because people that are mature feed themselves. Why? Because they've been exercising their faith. They gave their faith something to do. But when church becomes about me, it's like, oh, I'm not being fed. Or maybe they'll talk about the music like, I don't like the music. It all becomes about me. Here's the deal. Unless you're a brand new Christian, or unless you're here to kind of figure out what it means to follow Christ and to be a Christian, unless you're brand new and and just a few months old, after that you realize that church no longer is about you. It transitions to be about somebody else. It's about what you can do for somebody else. Your best church life is when you focus on somebody else. Give your love someone to bless. So during Blitz, we had the special needs ministry going. We had 30 volunteers who were giving their week to say, I'm going to be with one child who has some needs that I can fill. By being with that one child, I'm going to bless a family. And it's remarkable. They give their life. They give their love someone to bless. We, we had that special needs ministry on the weekends. You can go, oh, I'm going to give my life to someone else in that ministry to bless them. Or you say, oh, I could volunteer in Kids Fest ministry, and now there's 100 children to bless or whatever. Or you can say, I'm going to volunteer with middle schoolers or high schoolers or something to be able to give my love someone to bless. Maybe you're not perfect yet. Maybe you don't have it all together yet. Maybe you haven't been all the way transformed in Christ yet because none of us have yet. And yet you can say, I've got this love that God gave to me, and I'm going to take that love and ask God to use it to bless others, somebody else. That's transformation. That brings life change. When I give my love someone to bless, when I give my faith something to do, when I give my hope somewhere to look, Jesus. And he changes us, and he keeps on doing it as we keep exercising that muscle. Today, when we get done, I'm going to ask you to go out a different way than you came. And you guys in the family room, it's a little hard because there's only one door. <laughs> but there's about three major doors in the lobby. So when you, if you came in the first door in the lobby, go out the third door. If you came in the second one, go out the first one. You're smart people. You figure it out. And you guys in here, if you came in the north door, go out the kids' fest door. Or if you came in the south door, go out the middle door. Or you're also smart people, you figure it out. And that's not going to change anything, going out one door, coming in another door. But it's maybe a metaphor for your heart that when you do it, you go, oh, yeah, when I leave here, I need to leave differently than I came in. I need to be different than I came in. I need to have my life transformed. You could do that every week as a simple reminder of the life change that God wants to put into your life. Jesus, thank you for your great love for us. We love you.
We are honored to be part of your family and part of your kingdom. So thank you for that. We know that you are our prince and we worship you. Lord, I pray for us uh, today as we go out and we go out a different door than we came in. I pray that we would go out different people than we came in. And you would shape us through hope and through faith and through love. You would shape us to be the kind of people you want us to be. Lord, we seek this through Jesus, our hope. Amen.